somebody grab me one? <clears throat> so I hadn't seen you since August, I think. August was when I was here the last time. And when I was here the last time, I think I talked to you a little bit about God being my friend, that God said he wanted me to indulge in him being my friend. So you can keep those back. I only brought four of these. This is my new book, Friendship with God, The Empowerment of Honor and Grace. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it in uh, uh, ebook or in print on Amazon. Or you can get first come, first serve on the four books that I brought. <laughs> my granddaughter's favorite book, because it's got her picture on the front. <laughs> and it's got her grandpa's picture on the back. That's what makes it really great. She likes both of that. So anyway, those are, those are available. But I'm going to tell you a little story about my friend as I get ready to share this morning, because this is a year of you knowing God as your friend in supernatural ways. So, you know, I like to hunt. I was out hunting. I had a great hunt. Didn't harvest, but I had a good attitude. I ended up having a fantastic time. Actually, God gave me three opportunities, and I just didn't get my end done. But one of the things that happened, my gun sight got loose, and I was sighting it in up in the mountains, and there's a little tiny set screw that's not even the size of the end of my finger. You know, it's so small, it's like that. I dropped it in the forest. Okay, so now those of you that <laughs> know what that is and what the forest is, you know I just dropped something and I just lost something. I just, I, it was an impossible thing. I, I dropped it on the ground it, it, as I was going. So I'm looking, and I mean, there's grass and sticks and leaves and everything, and so I don't see it. And I walk to the front of my truck, and I put my hand on my on my stomach because Christ lives in me. And I said, Jesus, you're my friend. <laughs> and I said, you, I just dropped that screw, Jesus. I need some help here. Would you help, would you help me? And I felt my friend well up within me. And I didn't feel him as the power, as the supernatural one, but my friend. And my friend welled up in me, and I walked to the back of my truck, and I opened my mouth. You know, you have to respond to your friend to invite your friend. So I opened my mouth, and I said, I said, there it is. And I'm bending over. I said, there it is. When I hit the word is, I said, right there. And I picked it up right, out of the, right off the ground. Okay. So, so I want to tell you that that is a sign and a wonder to say we're in a season where you can expect supernatural things in your life because God is your friend. He's not your friend because Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you because God has always been your friend. So today I want to talk about living in a life in your right mind. So we're going to call this living in your right mind. The world lives in their wrong mind. The truth is, your right mind is a gift from God, and any other mind means you're out of your mind. And the world is crazy because it's out of their mind. And you are sons and daughters of God, and you're not to live your lives out of your mind. You're to live your lives in your right mind. But you can't find that by looking at how is the world living. You have to know, how do I get into my right mind? Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27 says, The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. So the lamp of the Lord, the light of the Lord, is the spirit of a man. Now you are made of three parts, spirit, soul, and body, and you need all three. Eternally, you need all three. Now the salvation of your soul is the package. Your spirit is your inner man. Your soul is the dimension of you that is able to take the life of your inner man and now express it through your physical life, through your, through your body, or through your influence as a dad, a mom, a brother, a sister, a husband, a wife, a grandpa, a grandma, a friend, a neighbor, a businessman, whatever. You have an expression in your world, but it comes by you being a human being that is fully spirit, soul, and body alive. Okay, now, the power of your life is your inner man. Your spirit is what gives you power. So the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. So if the spirit of man is not 
on, then the light of the Lord is not on in your life. Now, if God is a, his, his word is a lamp onto your feet, it's not just his word written in the pages of scripture, it's the words that are written now written in you, where you become a testimony of the living word. You become a testimony of the life-giving word of God. Okay. Now, can you say, my father is a giver? Come on, my father's a giver. Hey, hey my father, my heavenly father is a giver. All right, now say, I'm a son of God, or I'm a daughter of God. Okay. Yeah, I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. My father's a giver. Okay. That means I'm a giver. That means I was born to give light to the world. <laughs> I was born to give life to the world. Okay. Now, my, my little granddaughter who's on the cover of the book, the reason she's on the cover of the book is she's got me on FaceTime in that little stroller. I was on a trip, and I was talking to her, and I said, it said, say goodbye to Grandpa to Gopa, and she says, no, 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 no. And she put the phone in the stroller and went all around the house talking to me because I'm her friend. She tells her mom that Gopa is her best friend. You know? Now, the reason that I'm her friend, she knows I'm her friend, is because I make myself her size. Did you know that God is secure enough that he makes himself your size so that you can know who he is? See, me making myself the size of my granddaughter doesn't make me less than who I am as grandpa. It just makes her able to touch and handle and experience me in a deeper, more intimate way. Same with God. He wants us to experience him in a deeper, more intimate way. And he wants us to experience him from the inside out. Whereas my friend says, you know, where's my little deal I Lost it already. Oh, there it is. Uh, I might need another voice of my friend to find it. Yeah. <laughs> he says, it's in your pocket. Okay, so. <laughs> so God's made a way to turn the lamp of the Lord on in his sons and daughters. Do you remember the promise that God gave to Abram, Abraham, Abram who became ah, Abraham? The promise, he said, he said, look up and look at those stars. Your descendants will be as numerous as those stars. You know, they keep finding more stars. But, you know, stars are not reflections of light. Stars are light. The moon is a reflector of light. But stars are light. They're like the sun, the big giant star up there. You know, there's even bigger stars than the sun out there. It's crazy what they're discovering. They keep discovering more and more and more. I think it just keeps going on. I don't think there's any end. I think it's creation saying eternity, eternity, eternity. Yeah. And the more they see, the more they see the emptiness of, you know, they haven't found anything else yet other than a lot of stuff, which gives the value of you goes up every moment. The more they discover nothing, your value goes up. The more they discover nothing, the value of God's love in your life goes up. You are so important to God, the ratio of you and nothing <laughs> is, is like insignificant, but you are hugely significant. You are the most treasured thing anywhere. Now, I don't know what the future is with all that nothing, but I do know that the present says, God says, you're the most important thing in the universes. Because you're sons and daughters of God. So, the human design is spirit, soul, and body. But the secret to your life is your inner man. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul writes to the church of Ephesus. In Ephesians 3.14, he's just got done talking about this wonderful thing that's happened that Jesus has made a way for Gentiles and Jews to be the same, to be the family of God, to be brought near to God. That's what he's talking about. He's writing to people who did not have a covenant with God before. They didn't even know that God the life giver existed. They thought they were God's the life takers, <laughs> but they didn't know God the life giver. And so Paul is now saying there's no difference. God brought together the Jews and the Gentiles in a body of relationship with them. He made peace. There's no gap between us. 
And then he says in verse 14, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family, say family, human beings are the family of God, sons and daughters, not mere objects. He's a friend because we're family. The family in heaven and in earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit. Where? In the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints, all the set apart ones, not mystic saints in heaven, your saints. I know our background in Catholicism says you get to arrive to be a saint someday, but a saint simply means a set-apart one to God. You're a saint, okay? That we may comprehend what is the width, the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. And then he goes on in verse 20 and 21, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, according to the power that works in us, not according to the power that we refuse to let work, but according to the power that works in us. Okay, When we know who we are, we let the power of God work in us, in our inner man. To him be glory in the church. By Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. To all generations forever and ever. Amen. So in this, he wants us to be strengthened with might through the Spirit, through his Spirit in our inner man, through his Spirit to our spirit. So he dwells in our hearts through faith. Now what's the opposite of faith? Oh, my, come on, I've been here a number of times. I've got to teach you now. The most common answer is fear. It's not correct, but it's the most common answer. Second most common answer is doubt. The opposite of faith, the Scripture says we walk by faith, not by... Yeah, it doesn't say we walk by faith, not by fear. It says we walk by faith, not by sight. But sight can invoke fear. What you see, what you think you see, what it sounds like, what it feels like. What you think it sounds like, what you think it feels like. Natural world invokes fear, invokes doubt. But faith invokes creation. It creates, it forms. Faith is trusting the voice of your friend. Faith is always in a person, never in a promise. If your faith is in a promise, at some point you're going to be disappointed because God's thoughts are way beyond your thoughts and he's going to fulfill the promise in a different way. (laughs) And you're going to be disappointed if your faith was in a promise. (laughs) You know, God is doing things in the nations right now. There are things going on. When you see God doing something somewhere, when people say God is doing something somewhere, but you're not in it, Mind your own business in the world you're in. Because you cannot possibly make a judgment of something that you are not in. And you are not the protector of the world. You are the protector of your own heart. And the way you protect your own heart is you give God access to your heart. You don't protect your heart with your brain. You protect your brain with your heart. And you protect your heart by allowing God's spirit to be the influencer of your heart. He is the light. He's the one who lights the lamp of the Lord in your life. So if you don't understand something, you know, the prophet Amos, God spoke through the prophet Amos when everything was wrong. Everything was crooked and everything was wrong. And everybody was making judgments. In Amos 5, God spoke through the prophet Amos and said, seek the Lord and live. Don't seek Bethel. Don't seek the house of God. Don't seek Gilgal. Don't seek your healing, your deliverance. That's Gilgal, the rolling away of something. Don't seek Beersheba, your promise. Don't seek that. Okay, what's the future look like for the church? I don't know. So how can I seek that? 
<laughs> what's God going to do this year? I don't know, so how can I seek that? Well, what's healing going to look like? I don't know, <laughs> so I'm not going to seek that. What am I going to seek? I'm going to seek God. Why? He's the one who makes us the house. He's the one who gives us healing. He's the one who fulfills promises. So seek God. And then the prophet Amos says this, in a time when everything's crooked, those who are prudent, let's put that in good common language of the common man for New Mexico, shall we say, those with common sense, shut up. That's what he says. Those, with, those who are prudent keep silent. Well, let's say it in the common vernacular. Those who are smart, those who have common sense, shut up and they seek God and live. They don't make judgments. They seek God. <laughs> so, so stay in your world and whatever God is doing, let God do whatever God's going to do in your life. But by all means, let him be the light of your heart. Now, in those verses... Christ dwells in our hearts through faith that we may know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. It isn't that we may know the supernatural things. It's that we may know the love of Christ. This little finding of this crew in the woods is the love of Christ. God could care less about this little part. But he cares about me. My friend, I said, Jesus, I said, Jesus, you're my friend. <laughs> Can you help me here? And my friend didn't speak to me from the outside in. He spoke to my spirit. And my spirit welled up. And then I allowed my spirit to inspire my soul. I opened my mouth. There it is. I hadn't seen it yet. But I was willing to let my soul be inspired by my spirit that was sensing Holy Spirit, the spirit that comes in the name of Jesus, my friend, <laughs> inspire my soul to tell my vocal cords to make a sound. <laughs> you know, when I, when I pray in the spirit, you know who prays? I do. Do you know whose voice it is? It's my voice. Do you know who decides to release that sound? I do. Now, we want God, we want God to be the sovereign one always. And he wants to be the sovereign one almost never. Now, let me explain, okay? He is sovereign. He can do anything. He doesn't need anything, okay? I get it, okay? But that's not how he wants to live. He thinks love is more important than sovereignty, he thinks relationship is more important than having to be in control. So we say, well, God is in control. I don't find evidence that he is in control. He's in charge. He owns everything. He owns me. But he's not in control of me. I'm in control of me. I can decide, am I going to yield to his will or am I going to exercise my will and say, take a hike today, Jesus. I don't need you right now, but when I get a crisis, I'll let you know. I don't need the lamp on all the time. I just need the lamp on at night. And I fail to realize people in the world are living in the night. And so if I'm going to get by in the world, I'm going to need to be the light seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Yeah, come on. So I need his power working in me. Now, the Apostle Paul also wrote to the Corinthian church, and he challenged the believers in Corinth to live by the mind of Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the verses 1 through 16, he says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, why can your faith be in the power of God? Because he's your friend. Not because he's powerful, but because your friend is powerful. Okay, which do you want? Do you want a savior or would you like a friend who can save? 
I may have told you this the last time I was here. Do you want to deliver or would you like a friend that can deliver? Do you need a healer or would you rather have a friend who can heal? Do you need answers or would you rather have a friend who can help you get some? Okay. I want the friend. What a friend I have in Jesus. Okay. What a friend. He's my friend. Okay. My little granddaughter, she knows that grandpa's her friend. She hears, we're going to go see Gopa today. Gopa, Gopa, he's my friend, she says. Yeah. And she knows who she is. Her friend helps her. Your friend wants to help you know who you are. A few weeks ago, little Eleanor, she's in the living room just being life because she's a life giver. And she, we, we do the hot dog dance, you know, Mickey Mouse hot dog dance. Man. Hot dog, hot dog, hot diggity dog. Hot dog, hot dog, hot diggity dog. And she's dancing, and I said, what was the world without you in it? And she goes, what was the world without me in it? And she runs over to Grandma. Oma, what was the world without me in it? She runs over to her dad and mom. What was the world without me in it? Now, she's not proud. She's not trying to be proud. She, she just believes that. <laughs> the lamp is on. Hey, what was the world without me in it? And she's absolutely right. The world is a better place because she's in it. Oh, come on now. Come on now. Now, you need to get a right perspective when you look in the mirror. <laughs> you know, we do these communion meals where we have to examine ourselves to make sure everything's good. That's not what Paul is saying. This is examine yourself. 1 Corinthians 13 says, examine yourself. Is not indeed Christ in you? The proper examination is, look a little deeper, don't you? Look in the mirror and see Christ in you is the hope of glory. And humble yourself. Become like a little child. Hey, what was the world without me in it? You were born to bring life to your world, but you have to get in your right mind. You have to live from the strength of the inner man in outer ways. You have to be a life giver to your world. What was the world without you in it? Uh, I mean, I, I ran into a few hunters when I was hunting, and you know what? Every hunter I ran into felt better after I left. <laughs> they did, honestly. I, I was out being a friend, and God has showed me something about a friend. A friend does not need anything. A friend doesn't come to you because they need to get something. A friend comes because they want to give you something. My, God's my friend. <laughs> so 1 Corinthians, it go on here. He says, he says um, verse 4, My speech, my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in a demonstration of the spirit of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him, Come on, your eyes haven't seen it, your ears haven't heard it, your thoughts haven't thought it. God's prepared some stuff for you. 2023, God's prepared some stuff for you. He's prepared for stuff for you because he's your friend. He loves you. God's revealed them to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who's from God, that we might know the things that are freely, have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which Holy Spirit teaches, 
comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit. Now, this is not the, the sinful man. This is the natural man. I have a natural man. You have a natural man. You need a natural man. Because the natural man is how you're going to touch the natural earth in a supernatural way. This is not sin man. This is not carnal man. This is natural man. Natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. So natural Ted, listen up, natural Ted. God is speaking to your spirit, and it's going to be foolish to you. So get over it. Natural Ted, don't think in your wrong mind. You're going to have to get in your right right mind, natural Ted. Because the things that God speaks to you are foolishness to you. They're foolishness to him, nor can he know them. Natural brain, you can't know this because these things are spiritually discerned. Spiritually discerned, spiritually sensed, spiritually known somehow. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself rightly judged by no one. No one understands him. Why? He's a little strange. Doesn't make sense to the natural man. It says, for he who has known the mind of Christ. Words that man did not teach. Okay. But he who, he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. And you know all things, you just don't know what you know. You just don't understand what you know. I have the mind of Christ. Can you say it? I have the mind of Christ. But the problem is I also have my mind. And most of the time I'm too busy trying to make up my mind and I'm not listening to the mind of Christ. (laughs) And, And most of the time... I make the decisions in my business. I make the decisions in my family. I make the decisions in my world when I'm not in my right mind. (laughs) Most of the time, I make my decisions from my natural mind, and then crisis happens, and I panic, and I go to God, and I say, I need some help, when I should have been discerning to the mind of Christ that's within me. I should have learned how to strength, be strong in my inner man and walk according to the Spirit. Not religious spookiness, but trust the love of your friend that comes from the inside out. Now, I will tell you that the thoughts of Christ are always life-giving thoughts. God does not need to kill anything. If you want something dead, walk away from God. That'll work. Why? He's a life giver. He's the light of the lamp. (laughs) Walk away from from the light of the lamp, and the lamp doesn't have a light. You want to die? Just walk away from God. It'll do it. It's called committing suicide. Detach from God. Stay connected to God, and life happens. So it's the love of God. Now, the mind of Christ is found in the presence of Christ within us. Now, did you know that you are the tabernacle of David? In Acts 15, let's just confirm this. Acts 15, what happens is in the first century church, you have the leaders of the church. You have the apostles. Uh, There were 11 guys. They appointed another guy, and then God picked another guy, and and so there is controversy over what they were. There were more than 12 apostles. There were a lot of apostles, 20-some that are listed in the Scripture. So there were a lot of sending ones, sent ones. But the council in Jerusalem was the disciples of Jesus that now become the foundation of the church. And, and when things were happening, they would have sometimes a, a meeting to consider what was going on. 
Now, their preconceived ideas was Jesus is the Messiah. He's bringing the kingdom to the Jewish people. We're finally finding the answer of the covenants being fulfilled. It's wonderful. God is bringing the life. The kingdom of God has come. But their whole paradigm of thinking was Jewish church or proselytes. You had to either be converted to Judaism or born a Jew. And you had to live according to the, the Torah temple society. That was what the first fruit church believing apostles believed. Even though Jesus talked to them about being a light to the Gentiles, they didn't get it. Why? They were in their wrong mind. They weren't in their right mind yet. But it was okay. Christ was in them. They had the mind of Christ. They just didn't know what the mind of Christ was. When Holy Spirit ha, came into them, they received the mind of Christ, but they were still busy in the mind of the past. Okay? I am not interested in going back to the church of Acts because there's no amen on the end of Acts, which means it should be continuing to go, and the Acts of today are different than the Acts of yesterday, but we have the same God. Okay. And, and if you're wondering about unusual miracles, those are things that are unusual. And so if you can figure them out, they would be usual. But the New Testament says there were many unusual miracles. And signs and wonders. Signs and wonders are things that you look at and it makes you wonder. If you haven't seen any signs and wonders, you haven't been looking for God. There's lots of signs and wonders going on on the earth right now. <laughs> so, so, the first century church, they, they weren't sure about, you know, going beyond. We're busy bringing the good news to Jerusalem Judea, you know, Samaria, the ends of the earth, as far as they were concerned, was them. And then what happens in Acts, an Italian family gets filled with the Holy Spirit. Whoa! Ah! Jesus! Oh, we love you, Jesus! Oh, Jesus! Jesus! Oh, Jesus! Oh! You're wonderful. You're awesome. Oh, we've never known such a grace, such a goodness. Oh, they start doing stuff like that. And they, they think, man, what is going on? And Peter sees it and he goes and he tells the other boys, he said, man, we got a situation here. We got a situation. Is it God? Oh, it can't be God. Oh, no, that can't be God. Look what's God. Oh, no, no. I've never seen anything like that. And so they're, they're meeting. They, they got a problem because they're in their wrong mind, and God is challenging their right mind. They're in their outer man, and God is challenging their inner man to receive what God is doing in the earth. So they meet in Jerusalem, and they have, a, they, they have some discussion. And finally... James, the spokesman of the disciples, the apostles, he speaks in verse 14 of Acts chapter 15. Simon has declared how God has first visited Gentiles to take out of them a people of his name, for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree just as it is written. And he quotes Amos. After this, I will return and rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins. I will set it up so, the, the, so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does all these things. So he quotes Amos chapter 9, verse 11 and 12. On that day I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and repair its damages. I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does this thing. Now, how in the world did James connect what was going on in the, the streets with what Amos prophesied. 
the tabernacle of David. There were no worshipers. There was no music. There was no tents. So what was the tabernacle of David? The mind of Christ revealed to James and the apostles, particularly James in this moment of revelation, that the tabernacle of David is not a physical tent. It's a place where you hear God. It's a place where you experience God. It's a place where the manifest presence of God determines every decision that you make in life. It's a place where the inner man becomes strengthened. It's a place where the inner man becomes real. The tent of David is the place of recognizing I cannot be a king in my world unless the manifest presence of God is at the very core of my being. And these Gentiles were experiencing it. They didn't know what it was. They were just, oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. They came in their right mind. <laughs> I'm 50 years old in Christ. It's easy to get out of your right mind when you start getting old. You can get dementia. I don't want spiritual dementia that I forget the power of the good news. It's Jesus. I have the mind of Christ. And every decision that I make in life is not according to my opinion. It's according to what is Christ saying? What is my friend saying? What does this mean? If I make a judgment from my mind, I'm out of my mind. I have the mind of Christ. You don't know. Come on, farmers, you don't know what the season is, but guess what? You have the mind of Christ. Listen, discerning voice. Business people, you don't know what, what you know, the best business is, is getting in on something no one's in on yet, but they're about to be. <laughs> You don't want to be old. You can be physically old, but don't be old. Be cutting edge. If you're looking for a job, by the way, jobs come by job applications. They don't just come by prayer, but they come by praying as you apply. And job applications only work if you go to the place that's about to look to hire. If they're saying they're hiring, they've already decided who they're going to hire, probably. <laughs> and so you're not going to get a job by looking for who's hiring. No, assume everybody's hiring. <laughs> and assume, but be led by your inner man. When I moved to Washington State, the unemployment was 22%. They said, there's not very many jobs there. I said, it's okay, I'm not looking for very many. I'm only looking for one. <laughs> So we need to learn to listen. The tabernacle of David. We're the tabernacle of David. You know, you're the temple ah, of the Holy Spirit. Now, the temple of the Holy Spirit is a greater glory than any old covenant temple. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 through 27, I'll just summarize it. You can pop the verses up if you want, but you'll find out in those chapters, in that chapter, the writer of Hebrews is challenging people who are about to lose their old covenant temple. It's about four years, this is AD 66, about four years before the, the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed, the writer of Hebrews writes, and he's writing to these Hebrews, he's writing to predominantly Jewish people, reminding them you're supposed to be Hebrews, you're supposed to have a covenant with Melchizedek, Jesus, not with the law, you're supposed to have a covenant with the life giver. And then he says, we've come to Mount Zion. We've come to communion with God, to communion with one another as God's family who knows his peace. We've come to an innumerable company of angels. We've come to the general assembly of the firstborn, of the church of the firstborn. We've come to God, the judge of all. We've come to the spirits of just men made perfect. We've come to Jesus, the mediator of a, of a new covenant. We've come to the blood that speaks better than that of Abel. We've come to the place of hearing God's voice that shakes heaven and the earth. 
We've come to the voice that removes the shakable things in our lives so that, so that what remains is that which cannot be shaken. You know, ah, come on. Do you know what cannot be shaken? Love is the only thing that cannot be shaken. Love cannot be shaken. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love trusts. Love knows. God wants us to know love. Old covenant ways don't teach you love. They teach you law. New covenant teaches you love, which is greater than law. Old covenant says do not commit adultery. New love says New, uh, new covenant says love, love. That won't commit adultery. Love, <laughs> faithfulness. Okay, so now Hebrews 12, 22 through 27, I'm going to read you some old covenant verses that sound exactly like those new covenant verses. You ready? Haggai chapter 2, verse 6 and 9. Now, Haggai was one of two prophets during the reconstruction of the temple of Jerusalem after the captivity. So when the temple was being restored, the construction stopped for a period of time, and so Zechariah and Haggai had to come and prophesy. And when they opened their mouths, the construction continued. Now, Zechariah means to remember, bring into your remembrance God. When the out loud voice caused the people to remember God, they were able to build the temple. Haggai means feast or to celebrate. When the out loud voice was feast in God, feast in God, feast in his presence, they were able to build the temple. So now Haggai says this in chapter 2, verse 6 through 9. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth. Old covenant shakes earth. New covenant shakes heaven and earth. Okay, the sea and the dry land, I will shake all nations, and I will shake all nations. Any shaking going on? I mean, we just had an earthquake in Turkey. It was a lot of shaking. Bad things happened in the shaking. Okay, I've talked to you about shaking before. What does shaking in the world mean? Anybody remember what I said? The world shakes because the devil does not shake the world. There's only one thing that causes the world to shake. When something unshakable manifests, it shakes. Jesus is the rock. When the rock comes into the room, all the other rocks shake. So when you see the rock shaking, don't scream about shaking rocks. Say, where's the rock? <laughs> Come on. When you see the nation shaking, when you see the earth shaking, when you see the earth troubled, the earth confused, the earth not knowing what to do, don't look at the earth, say, where's the one who's not confused? When, when you see darkness manifesting, don't look at darkness, say, whoa, 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 where's the light? Where's the light that caused this to happen? Where's the where's the rock that caused that to happen? You're you're rising, you're increasing in the earth. <laughs> so he says he shakes heaven and earth in Haggai 2. Back in my version, come on. There we go. <laughs> I'll shake the nations and they'll come where? They'll come to the desire of all nations. Who is that? Who's the desire of all who's the desire of your heart? Huh? Come on. Somebody said it. Come on. Who's the desire of your heart? Yeah, come on. Jesus! He's the desire of my heart. You were saying it. I'm just trying to get us to say it louder. Okay. Who's the desire of the nations? Jesus! Now, they don't know it. Why? They're out of their mind. They're not in their right mind. They don't know that the desire of the nations is Jesus. So what do they do? They try to fulfill their desire in other things. And then they, after a while, they get a revelation like Mick Jagger. I can't get no satisfaction. 
I tried and I tried and I tried. Why? You can't get any satisfaction other than the desire of your heart. If you haven't figured out, young guys, young gals, your future is determined by the desire of your heart. Jesus is the only one who's the desire of your heart. Now, what does that mean? Well, you just get religious and you desire Jesus? No. It means he knows who you are. And he's going to put desires in your heart that allow you to be a giver of life. Okay. Now, people out of their mind are takers. People in their right mind are givers. Why? We're sons and daughters of God who doesn't need anything. Our friend doesn't need anything. He gives life. He gives breath. He gives all things. Come on. We were born into this world to bring life into our world. Our gathering together should not be so much about, oh, i got to go to church to get my needs met. It should be, I am the church. Yes, he meets my needs daily, but who needs some life today? We should be in this city to bring life to this city. And we know that the Spirit of God is the lamp of our light. We're the light of the Lord into our spirit. The Spirit of man is the lamp of God in our lives. And then he says, they'll come to the desire of the nations, and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Now, this is not a temple in the Middle East. This is the temple that is the greater than the former temple. The prophet wasn't talking about the temple they were physically building in their day. He was talking about the temple that God would build. The temple that God builds is when you become a place where God inhabits. You become the tent of David. You become the place where the light is on. And he says, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord. So the glory, he says, and, and, the, and in this place, in this latter temple, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is connection to God. Peace is access to everything that's in heaven while you're in the earth. So the temple of greater glory is the good news that we are now people that are a house of the habitation of God in all things and at all times. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 16 and 17, he says, Do you not know that you are the temple of, the, of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? So I've come to challenge us all today to get in our right minds, to realize that it doesn't matter how big or how small, whatever decisions we have to make today, tomorrow, but the only way that we can walk the path and be the light that we were born to be is to be strengthened in our inner man and allow our inner man to bring life to our soul that then allows our outer man to become an expression to our world in life-giving ways. The kingdom of God is not at hand. The kingdom of God is in you. The question is, are you embracing the kingdom that's in you so that your kingdom now becomes an expression of your Lord in Christ? We make our decisions. Listen to the voice of your friends. And open your mouths. Let your decisions come. It's through reason of use that we learn to discern good and evil. Hebrews chapter 5. It's not through knowledge that we know the difference between good and evil. Reason of use that we now know the difference between good and evil. Now, what would that mean? Did that produce life? What I just thought, does it produce life? Does it express love? What I just, the direction that I'm sensing to go is it a direction of being able to give? Is it faith-filled and fear-empty? See, when I don't live in my right mind, then I, I, I make my decisions based on my 
opinion. I'm 50 years old in Christ, 67. I'll be 68 this year. Okay, I'm getting more in my right mind. <laughs> the last thing I want to do is live in my wrong mind. I've discovered that the worst thing in life is not being wrong. That is definitely not the worst thing. I've done that so many times, it's definitely not that bad. <laughs> The worst thing in life is being dead, so I don't want to do that for a second. <laughs> so I'm not even going to die dead. <laughs> I'm going to die alive. That way the grave can't hold me. <laughs> now, my body might be arguing with me along the way, but listen, my spirit is a lamp of the Lord. <laughs> and I'm going to be strong in my inner man, yeah? all the way to the entrance of transition. But in the meantime, I'm going to bring life to my world. I'm going to live from the inside out. Now, I love the gift of tongues. Covenant expression, uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's like food. <laughs> it's like water. Uh, it helps me be stupid. If you don't have that expression, at least go, ah. Oh. Come up with some way to shut your brain up and listen to what is inside of you. It comes from the inside out. What do you sense? See, so before you make a decision on anything, ask yourself, self, what did God say? And then be honest. Hmm, I don't know. Now it's a good idea to go to God like you should have in the first place. <laughs> and say, God, what, what, do you, what do you sense? I've made a ton of decisions that have made no sense to my brain that have worked out to be the best things I've ever done because I listen to the Spirit of God in my spirit. God is so serious about this. He is interceding for you all the time. When you're sleeping, he's an intercessor. Intercession is one foot in heaven, one foot on earth. Draw everything that's in your heavenly foot into your earthly foot. Intercession is not praying according to what you want to happen. Intercession is drawing heaven into your earthly foot. Okay? If you're depressed, then intercession is draw life into your depression. Flood your world with what's in heaven. Stand in the gap and realize, get into your right mind. Remember who you are. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. My daddy is a giver of life. And God's, God's spirit, my spirit connected him. The human spirit is the lamp of the Lord. My spirit is the lamp of God in my life. So your Holy Spirit gives my spirit. That's the good news. That's the latter temple. That's the temple of greater glory. The old temple... Manifest presence of God knocks some people down. But it never fully transformed the people. Now, good news is everybody in the old covenant who had faith toward God in some way, they got the ticket to get in through Jesus Christ. He's the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. But God has a greater destiny for humanity. My daddy, my grandpa, my great-grandpa, all strong believers are getting credit for everything I'm doing right now. And I'm absolutely convinced. I've had an open-eye vision. I'm convinced they're giving a crown to Jesus, saying it's not us. It's you, Jesus. So we have to be strengthened in our inner man. Stir up your spirit. Listen to God. Practice. Practice experiencing life. Could you stand with me? Ha. All right, Jesus, you're our friend. We love you, we love you, we love you. We know you love us more. <laughs> uh, would you just touch everyone in this place, Holy Spirit, right now? Would you touch them in their spirit? I, I say to any crazy spirit of shame, be off, be gone. 
just lift your hands or open your hands, do something, just open your, take the posture of receiving. Jesus, the same oil that raised you from the dead, that same anointing oil that contains all of the substance of the love of our Heavenly Father is on your head. It flows down your face. There it is. Come on. It comes onto your shoulders. That's us. It goes down your robe. That's us. Down your body, all the way to your feet. That's every one of us right now in this room. Settle on us. And in every season and every time, there's a different grace that you release to bring a testimony of your life for the season called today. And I know right now that you, Jesus, are releasing the oil, uh, the cassia oil that brings healing and deliverance, allows us to let go of things that have been lodged in our lives. We acknowledge to you, Jesus, that we have for a large portion of our life been out of our minds. We've been living in the minds of self when we have the mind of Christ within us. So for everyone in this room, I call the mind of Christ to be stirred from the inside out in this very moment right now. Let your anointing oil bring healing, bring healing to joints, physically, spiritually, emotionally, give healing to relational aspects of our thinking, of our desires. Bring healing, bring deliverance, cause us to be freed from being constipated, being needing a laxative, needing an ex-lax that gets rid of the stupid thinking that we've embraced through our own natural ways. Give us deliverance. Allow us to be the body of Christ. Oh, that we would see you working in us in ways that are beyond what we can imagine. Oh, the Spirit of God says, ready yourself, ready yourself. Wake up your hearts, for this is the time for your heart to make room for me. This is the time for your doors to swing wide open to me. This is the time to open the gates to my presence in a new way, says God. For I've come to make all things new. I've come to make all things new. I've not called you to enter into another page of your past where you mistakenly call it today. I've called you into that which has not yet been written. I've called you into that place that has not yet been seen. For even your city is shaking and awaiting for that answer, for the light to shine. And God says, I'm coming to stir in your heart. Make room for me. Ready yourself for the mind of my will to be stirred within you. And trust my voice as you sense that life-giving way. Know me as I have been, but know me today. And know me today in a way that causes you to see me in ways that you could not see before. For this is not the first time that my sons and daughters have been confused to my plans. But I have plans that cure the sickness of your confusion. <laughs> and I bring that which brings a greater glory. And for this, your sons and your daughters will rejoice. Your grandsons and your granddaughters will leap. For I have a plan for the generations. Do not look at things depleting, for the glory of this house will be greater in the days that are at hand than the days that you could not understand. For my way is a way of life. And I am declaring that I'm ready for you to make room for me. I'm not merely giving you dreams for information. I'm not merely giving you visions that you might understand. I'm stirring things in you that you do not understand, that you might trust and walk by faith. And as you walk by faith, what your eyes could not see, what your mind could not think, what your ears could not hear, will become framed before you, and you will see the very substance of things that you had only hoped that you could see. This is my way, says God. This is my way. Know that I'm pleased. I'm pleased. I'm pleased. I call you sons. I call you daughters. 
I'm not measuring you by your inabilities. I'm measuring you by what I have seen all along in my heart. You are my sons and my daughters. And your spirit is a lamp of me in your world, says God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Give him glory. Give him honor. He's worthy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Rabbi. I just want to know and nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else.